0: Praise the Lord. I know um, Sheena also had knee surgery Tuesday morning. Uh, Her tendon was rubbing. She was in a lot of pain in her knee. And so they went in and did something. I don't know. Drilled a hole, cut a piece of her kneecap off or whatever. But hallelujah. So she came tonight with a cane and a crutch. So she's mogating it around, so hallelujah, I don't know, we just, <clears throat> you know, one, one thing after another. So, but I'm, I'm glad I can be in the house of the Lord tonight, aren't you? Yeah. And we are growing, legacy, we have a great history, a great legacy, a great uh, history in this church, and amazing uh, what uh, the Lord has done. And we're going to talk about living the dream. How many are glad you're living the dream? Amen. What does it mean to live the dream? You say, Pastor, I'm going through it. You know, that's kind of a slang statement. You know, you ask somebody, "Well, how are you doing? Living the dream, man. Living the dream. I don't know if I've ever used that. But uh, I got to thinking about that, you know, and when you say live in the dream, I don't know if that means the American dream. There is such a thing. If you look uh, through uh, sociologists and so forth, they will talk about the American dream. And what is the American dream is jobs and prosperity and the land of opportunity and wealth and the chance to be able to vote and have a free and open society and freedom and all of those things. And it's obvious, and I don't, I'm not, this is not a political statement, it's a statement of fact. It's obvious that our country is very blessed Uh, and that's why you have I think the latest count is going to be close to 2 million people having crossed through the southern border illegally this year because they are coming for the American dream. They have been uh, living in lands where the jobs were not very plentiful, the opportunities were not there. The fact of of, uh, uh, cartels and gangs and drugs and they are coming to America looking for Freedom, looking for prosperity. And I know we're, not to make a political statement, but whether you agree, want, uh, don't want the people to come. What we all know is uh, if there's not 2 million people from America trying to get to Honduras. Amen. So we must have something. (laughs) There's not two million (laughs) leaving here to make it to, uh, you know, Colombia or to Guatemala or to Haiti. Uh, They're not lining up at the boats and risking their lives to escape Miami to head to Cuba. Uh, Think about it. Right. You know. So. When you say living the dream, uh, I guess, you know, we are are so blessed, and we are indeed blessed to be in America, to be living in America, and I know I uh, have talked to... Uh, some of our friends and and prayer partners from Australia from uh, Singapore from a very variety of other countries that um, they don't have near the freedom even from those from Canada and they will talk about the freedoms that we have that they don't have and the sense of opportunities that we have that they don't have and yet When I say living the dream, I don't use that phrase very often, I don't in fact I don't guess I care for it but I've had a lot of people that would say that when you say well how are you doing living the dream man living the dream and I understand what they're meaning I understand that you know they're basically saying I don't want to tell you how I'm doing I'm just okay and so rather than saying okay they will say something glib like living the dream as if everything's going wonderful and they've got the world by the toe and they are uh, sitting in the catbird seat, whatever phrase you want to use but I want to uh, point your attention to what it means by uh, from God to live the dream Paul wrote in Romans the eighth chapter uh, verses starting at verse 24 and we have read these and and we know most of these verses but let me uh, draw your attention to them Romans eight twenty-four through 39 we are saved by hope But hope that is not seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. In other words... You know, if uh, I walked up to you with this phone and said, do you want me to give you this phone? You can see it. I'm offering it to you. You can see that it's there. And yet, it's not, you don't really hope for it. But if I said to you, well, you know what? If, because you, if you'll come here tonight, somebody is going to get a special prize and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be worth, I don't know, several hundred dollars and you'll be able to call your friends on it and you kind of have an idea it's a phone and you come tonight to get that phone and you don't see it yet but you have hope that I'm going to be honest you know it's kind of like the publisher's clearing house sweepstakes I never have hope. Even though it's not seen, you know, they tell me, you know, you could be the next winner. And I'm like, I don't have any hope of that. Of course, if I got a letter and they said, indeed, you're the winner and we're coming to your house tomorrow. Man, I mean, my my expectation, my hope would go up. So he says, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Oh, thank the Lord for that. The Spirit helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes when you are deep in prayer and you are praying in tongues and you are praying in the from your innermost being, you may not know what you're praying, but the Spirit is making intercession. And he that searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because what does the Spirit do makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Now, I don't always know what the will is. And yet, here Paul wrote that the Spirit makes intercession according to the will of God. And then he goes on, famous verse that we love, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. How many believe that? To them that are the called. According to his purpose. And then the Lord said. I'm going to tell you my dream for you. For whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed. To the image of his son. What is the Lord's dream? That we would be like him. Oh, you say, well, I, you know, I wasn't raised this way and I am not... Sure, I I don't know that I can do it. I'm not, you know, I I kind of have my way. He said the Lord, the Spirit wants you to conform to the image of the Son. And that's why Paul would say there's a war going in. Me. And it's the Spirit fighting my flesh because my flesh is after the nature of Adam. My flesh doesn't want to be kind. My flesh doesn't want to have peace. My flesh doesn't want to get up. My flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. My flesh doesn't want to pray. My flesh doesn't want to fill in the blank. My flesh doesn't want anybody to cross it. My flesh wants to be able to tell everybody, hey, don't tell me that. You don't tell me nothing. I'm big and bad. I'm, I'm 18. I'm, I'm 12. Huh? I'm 10 years old right now. I don't need you to tell me nothing. Anybody? That's my flesh. But the Spirit is wanting us to be conformed to the image of the Son. What did, what did the Lord do? Not my will but thine be done. Lord let this cup but nevertheless. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover whom he did predestinate. Those he called. And whom he called he justified. And whom he justified he glorified. What shall we say to these things then? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth it is Christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness peril sword I don't know if God loves me. You don't know what I'm going through right now. I'm going through so much tribulation. I'm in so much stress, distress, and extra stress, peril, hunger. Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of God? So the Lord could use all of those things to make us to be like Him. Living for God is not guaranteeing the American dream. <laughs> because the American dream is not nearly as important as God's dream. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus on earth. I long, don't sing it. To be like Him all through life's from earth, all. Uh Uh-oh. Don't ask it. (laughs) Be careful. Paul said you might go through some stress, distress, tribulation, persecution. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord so it is the love of God that is wanting us to be transformed into his image and you say well you know you got any more Bible for that well what about Genesis the first chapter God said let us make man in our And in our likeness, let them have dominion. So the original plan of God was that He created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. God's dream was for us to be like Him. And Adam traded that by disobeying God and all of a sudden he sold out eternal life. He got rid of that. He added pain, sorrow, thorns, thistles, sickness, disease. You say, well you know, what are you saying that the Lord, you know, are you saying if you have enough faith you won't be sick? No, I'm not saying that at all. As a matter of fact, when you read Hebrews 11 chapter and right in the middle of the chapter or at the first third of the chapter, verse 13, it's it says all of these people many of them died not having received the promise then at the end of the chapter it said some were pulled apart and sawn asunder and boiled in oil and I mean if if you you know wanted to get technical I mean even Paul told Timothy about a little wine for the stomach's sake. It was obviously Timothy had enough, some stomach issue going on. Why didn't Paul just say in Jesus' name, you'll never have it again. So that, you know, people that want to blame God and say, well, God doesn't, didn't answer my prayer the first time I prayed, or He didn't, you know, you, you're not studying the Word of the Lord an understanding because you you go on in Hebrews after the faith chapter and you read it. and It's a powerful chapter. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder. And and you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the all of those things in in Hebrews 11 and the And they didn't have chapters in the original letter and what would be right the next verse Hebrews the 12th chapter said wherefore seeing we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us that's why you know the enemy the, the Bible talks about the little foxes spoil the vine and that's why the enemy would like to do anything that would get me off track get me burdened down get me frustrated get me stressed out because he can rob it, it, it rob me from my image and operating like Jesus and it doesn't take much just have a car drive in front of me When all of a sudden I quit being like Jesus. (laughs) They say, oh no, pastor. If I was how I really felt, I'd have run over him. I I understand you weren't quite as bad as the devil. (laughs) But you sure weren't like him either. (laughs) Like Jesus. Anybody... Huh? He said, "Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. What are you saying? I am saying the enemy will use anything he can to punch your buttons. And if it works the first time, guess what? Huh? Boy, if I, get a, if I get a... Man, I got a great response out of that one. He can just play that one note until it's like the Chinese water torture test. Huh? He said, it's the sin which does so easily beset us. And then he goes on and says, let us run with patience. The race that is set. Lord, it's not fair. Why don't you let me run Sister Denise's race? I would like to run that one. Huh? I want to run somebody else's race. I don't want to go through what I'm going through. Anybody ever moan that? He said, "Run with patience the race that is set before this is my race I got to run it to the best of my ability what do you keep your eyes on everybody else no looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of what our faith So here we realize from reading this that, you know what, the Lord is working on finishing our faith. When the Lord comes back, will he find what is the big question? Faith. He's trying to build faith in us. And how do you build muscles? By working out, by having resistance. And you say, well, I don't like heaven. Oh, it seems like the bottom's dropped out. What the Lord is doing is, will you hold on to your faith in the midst of all of this? Will you still believe that God is able? I don't know if he will, but I know he can. You see what I'm saying? He is the author and finisher of our our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Oh, and I know some of these men have endured great suffering physically. And I probably maybe felt like it was as bad as being crucified. But he endured the cross. He despised the shame. sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradictions. Forerunner of Jesus, was his cousin, was six months older than him, uh, was uh, than Jesus, and he uh, was, had a supernatural birth to old, to Zacharias and and uh, <clears throat> to Elizabeth, and and was a cousin uh, to, to Jesus, and he, he began to charge people to repent. And he developed quite a following. And there were people that followed John the Baptist. Of course, John preached. And you can read in all three of the Gospels, of the Synoptic Gospels, that John said, (coughs) repent. There's coming someone that's greater than I. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm not worthy to unbuckle his shoes. I'm not worthy to take his shoes off for him. But he's going to to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. He's going to be the one to baptize you. And Jesus of course went to John the Baptist and said, baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. And John was reluctant. He said, I'm not worthy. I know who you are. We know the story. And John John maintained his followers and there were followers and John got thrown into prison and he kept saying I must decrease and he must increase and you know it's one thing to say I'm gonna Lord I'll go with you to the end of the earth just like Simon Peter did but then when a little girl around the fire asked him says I thought you were one of them he cussed and said absolutely not. But John was the same way when he got thrown in jail he was like are you really the guy cuz i didn't think i was going to end up here are you sure lord and i know probably i'm the only one here tonight that's ever been in positions where you go lord are you sure this is what you wanted are you sure huh anybody i don't want <laughs> are you absolutely certain Lord maybe I was had had too much broccoli or something okay so John is lamenting in prison and the Lord basically says don't be offended and sends his disciples back and says man this is a great guy. no man greater has walked in shoe leather than this guy and then boom the Lord delivers John from prison and he walks out and he's the Lord answered prayer he's living the dream huh no you all remember Matthew 14 they beheaded him brought his head in a charger and gave it to the little girl. The little girl's mother had told her, said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it. And what did they do? They ran straight to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I... I, I've had people that I love pass away, and I've had people that I love in this church that have gone through horrible sickness and trauma, and I've been times to visit them and thought, oh God, please. But I have never had this kind of post-traumatic stress, going to the guy that you thought was the leader, and you're carrying a headless body out. I'm gonna wrap it and bury it that's you want to talk about PTSD and you go to Jesus and Matthew the 14th chapter said when Jesus heard of it he began to comfort them and prayed for him and said, you guys have really been through a lot. He left by ship. And he went and started healing people. And I am sure John's followers thought, this is unbelievable. I can't believe it. He, He was their cousin. They were, what is going on? Surely, we would get a little emotional support, and Jesus fed 5,000, and then the Bible says, he uses this phrase later on in this 14th chapter, that Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. And I'm sure they were a little shell-shocked. No, Lord, we don't want to leave you. They've just killed John. They're going to probably come after you. Oh, Lord, we need to stay with you. And the Bible says Jesus constrained them. In other words, Jesus says, No, get in the boat. Get out of here. Leave me here. I'll send these people away. You get in the boat and head out. I mean, that's pretty... Direct, he constrained them and he sent the multitudes away. Now, when the multitudes went away, where did Jesus go? Up into the mountain to pray. And when evening was come and he was all alone, where was the boat at this time? in the midst of the sea in the middle can't go further that way it's about equal distance or turn around and what happened a cold front or a warm front or a tornado front I don't know moved in right and waves and wind and the Bible says the midst of the sea tossed the waves the wind was contrary about 10 o'clock at night and they're rowing and they're sweating and waves are crashing and it wasn't an ocean liner that was calm in the midst of all of this it was a little ship and I can only imagine the waves and tossed and slamming and down And there who told us to get into this boat Well, doesn't he know the weather? Who put us out here in the middle of this? Huh? What was he doing sending us out here? And he stayed on land. We should all stay on land tonight. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus or what they think is Jesus walking to them and they start kinda freaking out because they think it must be a ghost and not the Holy Ghost but it must be a spirit and one of them said that looks like a guy what do you mean a guy well it looks like Jesus It looks like he's walking this way what's going on and the Bible says they cried out in fear now you are being slammed and hammered by the storm and now it seems like now a ghost is coming after you and they cried out in fear and what did Jesus say Be of good cheer, be not afraid. Why? Because fear defeats faith. That's why Paul would say to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And so, When I am afraid, and you say, well, should you never be concerned? Sure. Should you, you know, obviously, oh, doc, i got a pain in my side, go get it checked. Oh, I've got a pain in my neck, fine, go get it. But do I fear that? No. You say, well, the diagnosis is terrible, it's horrible, it's, I'm afraid. What if it would be? You know what? God is still able to either heal, work a miracle, do something. I will not fear. And he said, be of good cheer in his eye, be not afraid. Now, basically what he was saying is, have courage. Be not afraid. Have courage. And what did Simon Peter do when he responded? How did he respond to that? You remember what he said? Simon answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now that's just a little bit bizarre. Although Simon was just being involved with the feeding of the 5,000, He had just seen God heal. He had seen God touch and deliver. So Simon was primed for the miraculous. He was totally believing for the miraculous. And so he says, okay, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. I don't know if he swung his legs out over the boat or what. And what did Jesus say? One word. and that was enough Boom! slipped onto the water and splish splash he's walking on water it's unbelievable it's miraculous we all look at it and go that's unbelievable but what happened he starts seeing the wind and the waves he realizes where he is and he's like I'm not supposed to be able to do this. And he began to sink. He, what happened? When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Afraid. When we start getting our fear, it fights our faith. Peter, to be candid, was not walking on the water. He was walking on the word come. Jesus had said come, so I'm going to do it. He was oblivious at that point. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he began to sink. And he said, Lord save me. And immediately the Lord stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, Great job, Simon. Man, you took about three or four steps. I am so proud of you. We build on that. Man, we can get you walking halfway across here. <laughs> you are so awesome, Simon. I, listen, I, I can't believe none of the other disciples wanted to jump out. You were amazing, Simon. Great job. of boy. Give me five. You did super. What did the Lord say to him? Oh, thou little faith. Why did you doubt? And I, I've often wondered that because I'm like, you know, when I have a little faith and I exercise it, I'm thinking God ought to give me a high five and a great attaboy. boy, Huh? well, Lord, I believe for a miracle. And he says, that's a little. But don't stop. I'm still wanting you to be in my image. And in my likeness. I want you to be able to walk on this water. Oh, you say, well, pastor, now you're going crazy now you're saying the impossible I, you know nobody can walk on water I'm going to tell you if the Lord says come if the Lord says I need you to walk on the water you will, I don't know how I can't tell you how it will happen I don't know what will occur but I know a God that is able I know a God that is able to make these feet stand on top of the water and walk on water if that's his will and if I say Lord I'm just going to believe and follow if that's you bid me come when they came in the ship the wind immediately ceased and they were what did they begin to do they worshipped him and they said of truth thou art the son of God and when they were gone they came into the land of Gennesaret and there again there was going to have to be healing That's why when the Lord was telling them about the signs of the times, He said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars and wars and commotion. Be not terrified. Why? And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what will happen with COVID. I don't know how many more strains. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy and inflation. But you know one thing I know is a God that is still in control. He can put a coin in a fish's mouth. He is able to do the miraculous. We've seen him do it around here. all of a sudden, uh, you know, we were able to pay off $1.2 million in a few years with no millionaires that I know of. What are you saying? I'm saying we know a God that is able. So a fear versus faith. in Luke the 18th chapter he said shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him this was after the parable of the unjust judge he said he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man cometh shall he find faith on the earth and when you stop and think about that and I know live in the dream the dream was for God you know to instill within Simon the ability to have faith. Unfortunately, after walking on water, after this, he still didn't have enough faith to face down a little girl who asked him, aren't you a disciple? So don't ever feel bad when you say, well, I just don't know if I have the faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the... Just keep saying, Lord, give me your word. Anoint your word. I want to hear your word. Why? I'm building up myself on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I need, you know, that sense of faith. <clears throat> you know, I, 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 the story of the Jebusites, and those of you who know, they used to, they had a city by the name of Jebus called Jerusalem and when David was king the Jebusites still controlled Jerusalem Joshua and Caleb didn't conquer Jerusalem you go through all of the prophets all of the judges they didn't conquer Jerusalem the Jebusites conquered Jerusalem they lived in Jerusalem Saul didn't conquer Jerusalem In 2 Samuel the 5th chapter the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites. The inhabitants of the land which spoke unto David said except thou take away the blind and the lame you will not come hither. Thinking that David cannot come in hither. They said David until you get rid of the blind and the lame you'll never be able to take this city thinking, well, he'll never get rid of all the blind and the lame. But that's an amazing verse. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. You know how David could take that stronghold? 20 years before, David had a vision of conquering Jerusalem 20 years before second samuel the 5th chapter he had a vision i'm going to conquer jerusalem you remember 20 years he was a 17 year old boy history was against him the people had not been dislodging their strongholds And the Jebusites said, unless you can get rid of the blind and the lame, the blind are those that have no vision, the lame are those that aren't walking right. He said, you'll never conquer this city. But when he was a 17-year-old boy, he went out with his brothers with some bread and cheese, remember? And this big guy by the name of Goliath came out challenged the army. Remember the story? That's back in First Samuel, the 17th chapter. And David said, what shall be done to this man that kills the Philistines and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they tried to put him on armor, Remember? Goliath, you remember, slingshot, took the armor off, little sling, five stones, whop, knocked him out, took his own sword, cut off his head. You remember what he did to his head? Picked up that head and he ran all the way to Jerusalem. Threw it at the gate. You know what he was saying? Jebusites? Jebusites? I'm coming for you 20 years later he finally conquers the city of Jerusalem what are you saying (laughs) you're gonna have to you have to get rid of the blind and the lame. What are you saying, oh God, help us at this hour that we realize the Lord still has revival, still has victory, still has people that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you we are living in the last hour. Oh, you know, you say but I'm I'm being overrun. I, I you don't understand. It's been so bad. It's so tough. I'm being overrun I I don't know I know that history was against uh, uh, David but you know what the word of God was for him all the way back in Genesis the 22nd chapter whenever the Lord was talking to Abraham he said that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemy and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. What are you saying? I'm saying whatever the Lord has promised in his word is greater a promise than whatever the, by the enemy says, whatever the doctor says, whatever anybody else says I know I have a word of God that I can hold on to yeah. but you got to you got to sometimes not look around, get rid of the blind, those that can't see the vision, those that can't run. He says, for the Lord will execute his sentence on the earth, and yet without a delay. And I'm through the last verses. I want to read her from Isaiah where he says, in the 60th chapter where he started to rise and shine, thy light has come. And you know what? He says at the end of that chapter, a little one shall become a thousand and a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. I am waiting for the Lord to hasten this strength. Arise and shine. Thy light is come. Isaiah, the 66th chapter, who shall have heard such a thing? Who shall see such a thing that the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion prevailed she brought forth children what are you saying I'm here to tell you that in one moment in one day in one night the Lord can pour out his spirit people can realize Lord I need to repent you say well it'll take years it'll take years Uh -uh. when the Lord's wrapping this thing up it's not going to take years folks that's why you want to be ready you want to say Lord I want to be ready right now I, I'm not anticipating years oh hallelujah uh, Sister Susan come we're going uh, to stand we're going to pray we're glad that all of you are here we've been praying for miracles and uh, just asking the Lord if you need a miracle it's not going to take years and years you say well uh, we've been battling and we've been struggling and we've been fi- I know we have but in one moment That's how powerful God is. That's how powerful our God is. He's able to change the course in a moment. Hallelujah. If you want to pray, come join us. We're going to stand around here and pray and ask the Lord to touch and bless. Come ahead.